Growth Podcast. In each episode, we'll be speaking to leaders in business and digital across a range of sectors, from retail to media, education to innovation, and many more. So sit back and enjoy. On this episode of the Good Growth Podcast, I chat to a man who has held a range of C-suite roles in sales and services, both offline and in digital, Phelan Mackle. In this podcast, recorded in the midst of the current pandemic, Phelan talks of the critical need for businesses and business leaders to not lose sight of the two most important things to them, your customers and your people. Phelan, welcome to the Good Growth Podcast. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much for allowing me to join you. So how is uh, life working from home for you at the moment? Have you got a good good setup? Yeah, I've got a, a decent setup. I'm lucky enough to have a little bit of space. I think these are unimaginable times for everyone across this country and many other countries. So the need to work from home, the ability to work from home indeed is a real gift just now because businesses still keep going, customers still have demands and there's a lot of work to be done. So it's, it's extraordinary times, but it's amazing how resilient and adaptable business can be in a crisis. All the things you might want to achieve in normal times can happen really quickly now because there's no other choice. <laughs> that is true. Now, I want to get your thoughts uh, in due course about how businesses and business leaders perhaps should be looking to respond to the current crisis um, and how you would recommend uh, they, they do that. Um, but before that, I'd quite like just to delve into your own personal background and experience. Could you just give us a little bit of information and background as to what your working life has looked like, particularly over the last 20, 25 years? You seem to have <laughs> held some quite interesting roles. You made me sound very old all of a sudden. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've had the privilege of working with some really well-known brands in the UK, such as RBS, O2, Standard Life, Dixon's Carphone. And uh, more recently, Macmillan Cancer for the last five years and Ardona, which is a major financial services firm in, in the general insurance space. And I guess the common thread in those is they're typically mostly direct to consumer businesses. There's some big brokerage businesses as well. They're all hot, large volume of customers, anything from, you know, in RBS, we had 15 million retail customers, 10 million with NetWest and 5 million with RBS. O2 with nearly 25 million customers. So these were big businesses with big P&Ls. And most importantly, small changes to a process would affect millions of customers. Mm. So small changes to your online capability or your online journey would have a dramatic impact on outcomes. So a real privilege and, and also therefore a privilege working with thousands of great people who have got very specialist skills in their sector. So we have a lot of students that listen to the podcast as well, and I'm sure they'd be interested to know, how did you get your start in, in digital and what did that journey look like? Yeah, I think I think it's interesting that we're digital, you know, it depends what you mean by digital, but I guess I started life as a computer programmer. So I wrote software for Standard Life in 1988 as an industrial placement student. And that in itself was a digital world. If you think about it, I was I was writing software that allowed the automation or transformation of what were previously manual processes, such as bank statement reconciliations, investment portfolio valuations. So I started my career very firmly in not technology, if not digital, and always had an interest in that. And as I went through my career, you could see over time how much bigger a role digital was playing in everyday life and business. And that continued through the financial services sector, 
where you know the technology available in retail branches for NatWest and RBS was continuously improving. And then I think the big leap for me was I got into O2 in mm-hmm. 2011, which is only nine years ago, but the world has changed a lot since then. But that was such a fast-moving, technology-driven industry. The products were changing every year, so the mobile phone capability, the stuff that we have in our hands that now we control our life by, was improving and changing every week, every month, every year. And it was at that point, I think, where really, really struck us and struck me that uh, digital is is not necessarily a different department or a different heading. It's a fundamental part of how we run business and how customers expect to interact with us whether that be being able to buy a mobile online or upgrade online or simply web chat. And I think that that journey has continued where we see in our everyday lives, the stuff we can do now from our mobile compared to 10, even say 13 years ago when the iPhone first came out, it's extraordinary. And it's just now a normal way of life. It, it is. Um, I, and I suppose that my question leading on to that then is how have you adapted your own approach and changed that as, as digital has moved so fast, particularly in the last decade or so? Yeah, I think I think there's two answers to that. I think there's one in my own private life. I mean, I, I literally can work in a week with only a mobile phone in my pocket and I've got everything on it. I've got my diligent board documents. I've got my calendar. I've got my emails. Um, I've got all my messaging services. Increasingly in recent times, I've now got Zoom. I've got Skype. I've got all those wonderful video platforms that I didn't always use. But I think that that adaption is I carry much less paper. I've got everything filed and digitally at my fingertips. Um, it's much easier to deal with. I think in terms of leadership and how um, one runs or leads businesses, it's evolved from being almost a specialist department. We had a digital team or you had an online team, whereas now it's simply a way of life within business. And I think the digital strategy is no longer, I think, a separate strategy. It's a fundamental part of your overall business strategy. And I think that those, those lines have blurred and as leaders, I think your job is to positively disrupt the business, positively transform the business to deliver better outcomes for customers and in doing so, better outcomes for shareholders. And we should also not forget that digital also enables the workforce, your colleagues, to have a better supported environment. Their life can become better supported, more efficient and also a better place to work. Brilliant. So the business is always crying out for innovation. Um, where do you think right now innovation is badly needed and how then could digital do you think help deliver that yeah and i think i think again maybe not just use innovation i think the place that still needs a lot of work is is simply the customer experience the full end to end customer experience i think in many businesses it's still quite in some cases inadequate and i think for all of us you know we have to think how often do we really say as a customer they were an absolute delight to deal with. You know, they knew me, they were easy to deal with, they had brilliant products and the whole end-to-end experience was simply outstanding. You know, if you and I were having a glass of wine or a, or a pint in a pub, you'd probably say to me, oh, I had a great experience and juicy with this company. But you talk about it because it was different than all your other experiences. So for me, there's still a lot of work to be done on simply executing well, wonderful customer experiences. Lots of experiences are still too cumbersome. They're not properly designed around the customer and they don't always work. And even in these more troubled and extraordinary times in the middle of this coronavirus tragedy, we, we all can experience good and bad things with companies. 
And even right now, I'm choosing which companies I deal with and whether I prefer to shop in that supermarket versus that, whether I prefer to do that online. And it's down to, does it work for me? So I think there's a lot that digital can still do and innovation can still do, but I would just keep going back to focusing and obsessing on the customer journey and customer experience. So I guess in times like now, customer experience is everything, both the historical customer experience you've built up and trust. So now it feels like it's a, it's a good time to be more open and honest with customers and customers seem to be responding well to that. Is that fair? Yeah, I think one should always be open and honest with customers because yeah. you know, by inference, your questions perhaps we weren't in the past. But <laughs> I think it reinforces the continued need to be clear because what some businesses are doing very well is they're saying out loud, which I think is what you're hinting at, look, in these extraordinary times, we can't quite deliver to your expectations in the way we've done historically, mm. whether that be the turnaround time for delivery, availability of product, a range of products that are available to you. And I think companies, the better companies have said, okay, here's our slim down range of products we now have for you. And customers are accepting that because they know that means more customers can get what they want in terms of the basic necessities. Secondly, customers are saying, you know, our normal delivery is two days. We won't get it in two days. It will now be seven. And if not, we will text you. So I think customers in extraordinary times are more tolerant, providing, as your point, businesses communicate and are very clear about setting expectations. So the setting and meeting of expectations remains consistently important. The parameters have changed because of the times we find ourselves in. And so as a business leader right now, what would be worrying you most other than the obvious elephant in the room, which is the current pandemic? What, what around that would be worrying you the most? Yeah, I think, you know, brought it out from the current pandemic, you know, some of these things remain true in both normal and extraordinary times. The health, well-being and effectiveness of your colleagues as a leader remains a core part of your job. This is particularly heightened at the moment, but that's always true. If you have happy and mentally healthy employees who can bind themselves around a common purpose in the business, those businesses tend to outperform. What you need to continue to worry about is customers, 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 their needs, their buying behaviours and how they are changing. Right now, clearly cash is of concern to many people across many industries, but cash has always been a concern. And by the way, there are very few people in the business who can actually actually worry and affect the cash flow. So therefore, you go back to, are my colleagues clear about what's been asked of them? Are I giving them the support they require? I think the other thing is, leader, you, know, you have to always remember your distribution, your partners, your competitors. And that remains true in both, as I said earlier, normal and unusual times. And for financial services, always ensure you have an eye on the regulation, the legal, the compliance, the risk environment. Um, and the final thing I would say is, is diversity. Diversity of earnings, diversity of geography, diversity of customer segments. You can see businesses at the moment in a crisis. Some of them are doing very well because they've had that diversity. Others who are pure play have been a bit exposed. Now, that's a choice you make in normal times, and it's very expensive for some businesses to do both, to keep both channels open. But here's a moment where you benefit from having diversity. If I had to pick two from that list, I'd go back to customers and people. I want to touch a little bit more then on your time with O2, particularly because at Good Growth we worked with you quite closely for a little bit period of time. So can you just give us a brief overview of the work that you commissioned Good Growth to do when you were with O2? Yes, I mean, that seems like a lifetime ago. And I think I might have been one of the very first clients of Good Growth, if not I the first client. I can't remember exactly were. the history. I have, I have been alive and told, yeah. <laughs> I I took a punt on Chris and James, is what some people describe, and I'm so glad I did, because what was really interesting is that, you know, O2 was a, as I said earlier, is a fabulous business, very customer-focused business, uh, very dynamic business, and 
we at a time where we're known for you know providing pretty excellent customer service relative to the rest of the industry. Yeah. And having said that, we like everyone else had lots of room for improvement. So the main reason to have a conversation with James and Chris and Good Growth was how do we increase our online sales conversions for iPhone was one of our, our big questions because we had a very large business through our stores and for upgrades uh, we had a very large telephone business mm. but we were you know pretty small and pretty early days in our online business so one about how do we increase online sales conversion and secondly what capabilities do we need within the organization what structure what skills what knowledge do we need to build a sustainable platform for doing this very well and you know as always with good growth which has turned out to be true for many years now it was driven by insight science was used to come up with uh, potential outcomes Good growth were obsessed about the customer outcomes and the customer, and they made a real difference. And for me, I'm glad I was the first customer, and I definitely won't be the last, judging by your growth in the last few years. Super. Uh, well, thank you. And I swear I haven't set this last question up, given your earlier comments around the importance of customers and people. But my final question really is, how do you think what good growth brings can help businesses address the challenges that they have today? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, what good growth brings, for me, I think the combination of both insight and innovation techniques uh, and pure science underpinning those, by the way, mm. that delivers just better or great outcomes. You end up helping customers deliver better commercial strategies and a way to sustain those results. And you hire great people, you're very scientific and you're different. And, and I think that's refreshing. And I think you're very well placed to make a difference to a lot of businesses based on the quality of your people, your trademark methodologies, and indeed, you're, you're pretty decent guys as well. That's, good. That's nice to hear. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so just to, just to wrap up then, so now you're on the board with Macmillan Cancer. How, what kind of things have you got going on there? Yeah, I mean, a few things. The similarities with every other business. Um, it's a large business, Macmillan, you know, to give a sense of scale. Um, income's over £200 million per year. There's 2,000 full-time employees. We help fund over 10,000 healthcare professionals. Many of you will know McNeil nurses. We also have cancer nurse specialists and other support people. But most importantly, we are there to hold the hands of people who are living with cancer or affected by cancer. You know, And by the end of the day, 1,000 people, we're all very clear today about coronavirus stats in the last few weeks, by the end of today, a thousand people will have been diagnosed to have cancer for the first time in their lives. That's 360,000 people a year uh, get cancer. Now, half of those, thankfully, today survive. And uh, that's a result of earlier diagnosis, better treatments, etc. But one in two people will get cancer, and one in two people are those who will live through cancer. So um, what we're dealing with is all the classic and harrowing issues of how do we continue to be there for our people who need us most? How do we ensure our online services are still working? How do we keep our helpline running in these troubled times? And of course, the helpline is flooded with people worried about coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So 30% of our calls in the last week have been about the coronavirus. How do we keep providing grants and help people with their welfare claims when their financial needs are at their greatest? We get about 75,000 hits a week now on our main website people to understand more about their cancer, their treatment, their emotional needs, their physical needs, their financial needs. And as an organization like everyone else, how do we manage our cash and reserves? 
you know, last year roughly we helped about one to 1.5 million people directly and about 5 million people indirectly, including website and web chat phone calls. It's an enormous enterprise. But at the heart of all this, it's, it's you know, obsessing about the customer, to go back to that expression, is how can we be there for people living with or affected by cancer? All those, all those amazing things you want to do every day for those people. Brilliant. Uh, some, some staggering numbers there, but some, some wonderful work that you do as well. Philem, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. And I think it's fair to say the takeaway the takeaway word or phrase here is think about your customer. <laughs> yeah, even obsessed. Do more than think, obsessed. Thanks very much. Lovely to chat. Andrew, thank you.